Welcome along to Three Sports Rankers, the sports podcast where we compile our ultimate sporting podiums across a range of topics. My name's Sam Barker. I'm your host for this week. And as ever, I'm joined by Mr. Rob Schofield and Mr. Callum Scotland. Boys, how are we this week? Yeah, good. Although this topic you've set us this week is uh, about as open as they can get. Yeah, I, I've struggled with this topic, but mostly because I've I've had to think, well, I, I think there's a chance that Rob has at least two people on the podium that I have. And secondly, who's the third person that's going to be better than the other two or the other person that Rob's got on his podium? Um, so it's been it's been quite a tough one. I hope there's not glimmers of tactical foul play there. I hope you're staying true to yourself, Callum. I always stay true to myself, Rob. It's part of uh, it's my it's my brand on this podcast. Yeah. Guess we'll wait and didn't, see. Didn't take long for tactical foul play to uh, to, to come into season three. Um, mentioned a lot about the uh, the topic, but we haven't actually named it. This week's topic, uh, very topical as well, is best current Premier League players. We try and keep it current, up to date. It's not really not really our style, but we uh, we seem to be doing it so far in season three. I mean, you you guys have sort of already discussed. I, I imagine you two found this one fairly easy given your knowledge of football Callum um yeah I mean same as last week I had two names which immediately sprang to mind and then had to fit fit a third one in uh to the podium but the the difficult thing was having to leave out the likes of Declan Rice and Mark Noble who clearly are nowhere near this list well (laughs) each to their own but I mean there's certainly no Newcastle players on the podium so I wouldn't worry about that no, I mean, I'll completely accept that that's the case. I'm not going to pretend that anything's any different. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm confident the top three, maybe the top four Premier League players at the moment and just kind of slightly whittled down. But actually, when you come to think about it, it's this one's going to be about how we've interpreted the topic and maybe a few parameters here or there. I know I had to kind of create a few for myself to narrow the uh, the mind um but yeah i think there's almost certainly going to be some overlap um and sam i've got a feeling you might have a difficult decision to make a la uh, aguero Henri shearer from series one yeah i was gonna say i can already see this being one where uh the the position of where players have been put means that one person might walk out with six points uh and leaving the other one feeling very hard done by but the only way to find out is to see what you guys are putting. Now, Rob, you were on hosting duty last yep. week, so I'm going to throw you into the mix first. Who is your bronze medal player for best current Premier League players? So for me, this was the toughest one to decide because I think with a, with a podium like this, you very much go from the top down, don't you? I'm sure Callum probably did the same thing. Um, and you find yourself thinking, oh, I've got a lot of players that deserve to be on this podium But the bronze pick for me uh, for this one is Sergio Aguero. We've covered him, of course, on the podcast before with Premier League front men. But I think just a reminder that he is fourth on the all-time Premier League goal tally with 180. I think we can assume he'll get his seven more uh, to reach Andy Cole in third place. But Worth remembering, that is with 261 appearances 
So Alan Shearer with his 260 goals, Rooney with his 208 and Cole with his 187. Played all of them, played well over 400 games. So so to think of that kind of goal to game ratio being better than any of them, I think for me, the fact that he's currently playing in the Premier League at this moment in time means he's an absolute dead cert for the podium. And for reasons we'll get on to, he's found himself in, in bronze place. But when you think of... Okay, he he may only be on 16 goals this season. Um, I think it's quite likely he'll get four goals between now and and the end of the season in these kind of quick-fire remaining games that we're going to be watching over the coming weeks. I mean, that would mean it would only be two seasons since he joined in 2011 that he's dropped below 20 goals. And that was in the seasons between 2012 and 2014, where his appearances were significantly lower because of injuries. And he still won City the league in the most dramatic of circumstances uh, in the 2012 uh, season anyway. And we've covered this on the podcast before, you know, Callum and I have waxed lyrical about Aguero, his composure. He's probably better at one-on-ones than anyone in the league. Encapsulated that in, in 2012 with the title winning goal. Who takes a touch there? Yeah, he he is perfection in the penalty box. His near post finishes, far post, screamers. He'll beat players if he needs to. And then there's all the ridiculous angles in which he's scored from as well. Um, Sergio Aguero is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He is still currently playing in the Premier League. And I think, again, we've touched on this before, so I won't go over it in massive detail, but one of the most impressive aspects of his career for me is the fact that having already cemented himself as one of the best front men in the Premier League, he then changed his game for Guardiola and became an even more complete player. Um, I'll fully admit that if we were doing this two, three seasons ago, he would be silver, if not gold. Um, I think he's, you know, he's 31 now and he probably is going well I think I'll explain later why he's been pipped by my silver and and gold choices but I think in terms of you know how you laid out this topic best Premier League players right now Sergio Aguero finds himself in bronze place but um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Callum has him higher but for me and my podium that I've constructed he finds himself in bronze. Well the good the good thing about doing these podcasts at the moment on Zoom is I can really watch everyone's face so I was really watching Callum there for any sign of a reaction when you said Sergio Aguero and his poker face was solid I have absolutely no idea if he's got Aguero on his podium if he hasn't Callum I'm going to ask you whether Sergio Aguero is on your podium um, because I want to hear your take on Aguero as well and if he isn't on your podium why not well he's not on my podium um, and it's simply because what I did with my podium was I said I want players in different positions and I want them to be far and away the best player in their position in the league. What So what I've done is I've gone... Ah, uh, oh, the old Scotland parameters. So They're back. <laughs> I, I, I agree that Sergio Aguero is the best striker in the Premier League, but when he's fit, Harry Kane is neck and neck with him. My bronze pick is by far and away, when he's fit, the best defensive midfielder possibly in the world, and it's N'Golo Kante. Ooh. Okay. Because he was the driving force behind Leicester's magnificent Premier League win in 2015-16. Obviously, all the plaudits went to 
uh, Riyad Mahrez, Jamie Vardy, you know, the likes of them going forward, scoring all the goals. But without N'Golo Kante, they would have very much been a mid-table team because he he had the ability to, he had the energy and the ability to just shuttle across the back four, snuffing out uh, opposing attacks and then just giving the ball to players more advanced and more attacking than him to go forward and build attacks with the pace of Vardy and the skills of Mares. And without N'Golo Kante, they wouldn't have been able to do that. And then he got the big money move to Chelsea the season after, won the Premier League with them as well, because um, Jose Mourinho gave him the ability to do the exact same thing he did, but with better players around him and giving the likes of Fabregas, Hazard, Willian and Diego Costa the chance to just be as free as they needed to be going forward. And, you know, I wouldn't say that he's revolutionised the defensive midfielder role, but he's certainly made it his own little thing. You know, we have this whole Makaleli role from the early noughties when he was at Chelsea. And now you ha- you just have to look at the likes of Idrissa Gay, who got a big money move to PSG, plays very much in the same vein as Kante does. It, you know, his game's all about interceptions, tackles, work rate, and then just giving the ball to better pl- better creative players than him and letting them do their thing. And you only have to look at how good um, Paris Saint-Germain are in France to see what Idrissa Gay's done for them. And, you know, Leicester have got sort of a a sort of hybrid Kante in Wilfred Ndidi at the moment. He's a slightly better footballer, but he still still brings those numbers with the interceptions and the tackles that you expect from a Kante-like defensive midfielder. And now at at Chelsea under Lampard, Kante has been given the license to go forward and develop his game slightly. And he's become more of a a box-to-box midfielder and you know he's he's starting to add goals to his game and we've seen this season he's developing late runs into the box to finish moves off and he's becoming if it's possible one of the best central midfielders in the world you know box to box as as far as that goes but as far as defensive midfielders go there's no one better than Angolo Kante I would say in the world it's a really interesting pick that cuz i you know i'd be lying if i said i didn't think about it myself and consider it but i think what goes against Zangalo Kante in terms of being best premier league player right now is i think if we were doing this in 2015 16 100% you know he'd probably be up top of the podium but right now you know Callum, you mentioned that what he's so great at is winning the ball off players and giving it to others to go and create. He's not even been top of the tackle charts since 15-16. It's been Idrissa Gay and then Wilfred Ndidi for three years. He's been playing for a better yes, team. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, that's, so he's not that's have a fair to, point. He's not going to have to intercept and tackle as much in a in a better team. And like I say, he's been developing his game to the point where now he can become the player to you know he can start an attack sure but he's now developing his game to the point where he can make a late run into the box and uh, and finish an attack as well do we see him do that enough though to suggest that he's one of the best players in the world in a inside left inside right midfield position because i think, I, think I would argue that... there's a hell of a lot of players that he'd be competing with in that role you know not the not the pivot not the defensive midfielder but the the two either side, which has very much become the way that you know top Premier League teams have developed, 
is he? Would you really consider him one of the best in the world in in one of those positions? Not yet, but I still, you know, he's still developing that side of his game, and the, the central defensive midfield role is where I've nominated him as the third best player in the Premier League currently, and I I, I stick by that because he is, you know, he's not he's not played a lot of football this season. He has been injured to an extent, but when you think about it, the defensive midfielder is becoming increasingly important in the way that teams play football nowadays and I don't think that you can I don't think that you can start a team and go right I if I if I'm building a dream team and I want a central defensive midfielder to anchor anchor the defense you're not going to look further than N'Golo Kante I mean, I couldn't disagree with you, but I just love the fact that for best Premier League players right now, you've chosen a player out of position. I haven't. And I've chosen you're... N'Golo Kante as a central defensive midfielder, which is... But he hasn't played it for he three has. seasons. He has. You're wrong. Well, he hasn't consistently played it. Part of me feels like I should try and restore order right now, but I'm really quite enjoying <laughs> this. This doesn't uh, happen very this, often this anymore, does it? No, we haven't had a like a proper between... feisty, you're wrong, and here's why. Do you know what? It, it's interesting, this one, because on the face of it, Sergio Aguero and N'Golo Kante, you kind of couldn't be further apart. But when you actually look at their narrative, and both of you said it in the sense that two, three years ago, they were probably at their absolute peak and were both in the running for goals if we'd done this two or three years ago. They've both had to adapt to new regimes, you know, change of position. Uh, When Pep came in, he didn't particularly want Aguero. It's an interesting choice. I've got got a, a tougher decision than I perhaps first thought there. But we'll move on to Silver, uh, and we're going to go back to Rob. Let's let's hear who you've got in uh, in second place. So I, for Silver, have chosen who I believe is the best uh, narrow central midfield player in the Premier League right now, and that is Kevin De Bruyne, because he does what other players cannot do on a football pitch and came so close to topping my podium because I just think the man is magic and his stats may not be the most outstanding that you would maybe expect from a player of his quality I mean they're still damn good 31 goals 62 Premier League assists in less than 150 appearances so if you kind of boil that down over 60% of the games he plays he is providing a goal in some way or shape or form and from midfield as well, that's pretty damn impressive. And in a way, the, his stats don't really do his majesty justice. It's it's those pinpoint passes outside of the foot, the crosses, the moments of genius, the bend. When I watch him play, I think you would fit into any... You, he would walk into any midfield in the world and make them better. And for me, that is the purest sense of a world-class player. And to throw into his assist and kind of general midfield attributes, he can hit a thunder bastard like the best of them. He really, really can. Callum, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a good chance he may be on your podium. Yeah, you you might be right. Am I correct? You might be right. The important question then is, where is he on your podium? Oh, you're going to have a decision to make, my friend, because Kevin De Bruyne tops my podium. Oh, dear. For every reason <laughs> that Rob just said, I mean, he was the fastest player to Premier 50 Premier League assists, and he beat Mesut Ozil's mark by 18 games. Like, Mesut Ozil was thought of in, you know, 
when he arrived at Arsenal, he was creating goals for fun. And Kevin De Bruyne has beaten his mark to 50 assists by 18 games. That is absolutely astonishing numbers. And, you know, in in the same way that I was saying that Kante's developed his game and he can now play in central midfield as well as defensive midfield. Not letting it go. Midfield. <laughs> If Pep, yeah, if Pep asked him to, he'd, he'd partner Fernandinho in defensive midfield and pull the strings from deep. He can find space on the edge of the penalty area. He can play in behind. He can find, you know, sort of the half space and out wide and whip a ball across the six-yard box. And like Rob said, he, he just he's the most fun player to watch in the Premier League. You don't know what he's going to do next because he really is capable of doing absolutely anything that he wants. And that's why he's my gold player because he's, you know, as as good as it is to not concede goals, you can't win games without scoring goals. And there's no one better at creating goals than Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, it's a fair point. And in one of the most talented Premier League teams we've ever seen, he is arguably the most talented. He is a joy. And it was a it was a toss up, and I can completely see why Callum's gone with him uh, for gold. And I imagine. The man that I've gone for gold is his silver. I, there is a chance that you've gone for different players, but what I want you to do is I'm going to count down from three, and you're both going to say your remaining picks at the same time. Um, we're we're going to we're going to rely on Callum's internet to do this in sync, are we? <laughs> we 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 are we are. This this feels like one we probably should have tried in person rather than yeah. over Zoom, but we're going to give it a go. Okay, so three, two, one. Declan Rice. Virgil van Dijk. No, it's Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> Virgil van Dijk, yeah. Do you know what, Callum, I'm going to give you the floor first on Virgil van Dijk because Rob had the floor first on, on Kevin De Bruyne. So why is he your silver? Why is he not your gold? Virgil van Dijk and Kevin De Bruyne at the moment are very much sort of 1A and 1B as far as the best player in the Premier League goes. So everyone can more or less agree that Virgil van Dijk and De Bruyne are the two best players in the Premier League. It's just completely up to personal preference who you put one and who you put two. I've put Virgil van Dijk number two because, you know, he he. there's no doubting that he is currently the best centre-back in the world. But for me, football is about scoring goals and you can't, you can't win games without scoring goals. And for me, that's why De Bruyne pips him to the post. But Van Dyke has managed to make £75 million look relatively inexpensive, considering how well he's done with, you know, shoring up the Liverpool defence, which, let's be honest, wasn't all that with Dejan Lovren at the back. Just, he's fast as well. He's not just enormous. He's fast and strong and everything that you want a centre-back to be, in the same way that De Bruyne is absolutely everything you want from a central midfielder. Like I say, it's just purely personal preference that I've put Van Dyke down as uh, my silver pick. So Sam, you probably want me to justify why I've put Van Dyke in gold over De Bruyne. I don't mean to sound like Sam Allardyce here. It's not a good start to a sentence. Let me just get my pint Especially of wine, sorry. Callum said like it's, football for him is more about scoring goals and creating goals and that's absolutely fair enough. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree whatsoever. Um I think when you look at players in their positions, um Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best midfielder in the world. But there are some very good competitions. Virgil van Dijk is head and shoulders the best centre-back in the world. And 
his transformative effect on this team was really pushed it for me. So I'll just quickly outline this because it is mad, right? So Liverpool conceded 28 league goals before Van Dijk's like mid-season arrival uh, in 17-18. Remember, he came in in January. After that, they only led in 10 goals. So he's single-handedly transformed, as Callum said, a, a, a reputably leaky defence into one of the most steely in the league. He's at, you know, that's averaged out at, at 1.2 goals conceded a game in 2017-18 before his arrival. Now that's down to 0.6. That's out of this world. But probably that isn't the reason why I chose him over De Bruyne. The reason I chose him over De Bruyne, Sam, is however you want to quantify this, but this is how I did it. One, the trophies. He's won the Premier League, or he will do at the end of this season, as well as the Champions League with Liverpool. De Bruyne has only won the Premier League with City, so they've not done it in Europe, and the Club World Cup as well. But naturally, you have to win the Champions League to be able to win that. He specifically has improved those players around him. So Dejan Lovren, Joe Gomez, Joel Matip, whoever it is, they weren't pulling up any trees before he arrived. And I'd argue he's probably extended at least one, if not two of those players' careers at Anfield having come into the club. They look significantly better alongside him and they look significantly worse when they're alongside anybody else. I don't think that's the case for De Bruyne. I think Manchester City's midfield ticks perfectly well without him. He just adds that spice and that that, that star quality that makes him stand out. And I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend that he doesn't have a similar effect, but I'm saying in terms of a absolutely pure improving those around him, you know, we've got to remember that De Bruyne's sat out, you know, over half the season last season they still still won the title City. And then the, the third one is, and again, I find this slightly perverse because I'm not one for individual honours in team sports. But when you compare Van Dyke and De Bruyne in terms of those individual honours, there is absolutely no comparison. De Bruyne hasn't got the accolades that Van Dyke has, despite playing in the Premier League for longer. So Van Dyke's individual honours, PFA Player of the Year, Team of the Season, but it's that Ballon d'Or. Virgil van Dijk, second place in the Ballon d'Or last year. That's ridiculous for a defender. And I would agree with Callum again in the sense of, you know, I'm I'm a fan of watching players who go and score goals and make things happen. But not since 2006 with Cannavaro has a defender broken into that, you know, Messi-Ronaldo autonomy over the Ballon d'Or. And to see him get second place is probably the clearest indicator that Virgil van Dijk is a superior player in the Premier League in his position who can compare a defender to a midfielder, especially the two that we are. But I just think that's incredible. Callum, there's one thing I just want to come, I just want to sort of give you a, a chance for a rebuttal because you you winced a little bit when Rob said that Man City can get rid of Kevin De Bruyne and still be more or less the same team. Um, you, you sort of, your eyebrows twitched. There was a little he bit. He improved of, them, but we saw that season when he was injured for a lengthy period of time that they they managed. Yeah, they they managed without him, but I don't think that they have the ability to pull teams apart in as many ways as they do when Kevin De Bruyne is on the pitch because he brings, like you say, he has, he sort of sprinkles that magic dust on the City midfield and they become this sort of otherworldly entity where they can feed, you know, Sterling, Silver, 
Aguero from any angle and you know create and create something out of nothing at the drop of a hat. But I think you know De Bruyne is certainly worthy of one of the top two places on the podium, and he is going to get that. But I think you know you yes he came in and improved the Liverpool defence, but you have to remember they also spent sixty million pounds on Allison who yeah. came in and also has also improved the Liverpool defence because he's a far better goalkeeper than Mignolet, Carius, Adrian, you know, any other goalkeeper they've had for the last five years. And they've they've played a role in that just as much as Virgil van Dijk has played a role in shoring up the defence. I think when I looked at the two comparisons and I thought to myself, so last season City were without De Bruyne for the majority. I think, he, you know, he played a bit at the start and a bit at the end and they still won the league. If Liverpool were without Van Dijk for the majority of a season, I don't think they'd win the league. This is really tough. This is really tough. And what's really irritating is you both keep making really good, strong arguments for your players. I, I think I would put Kevin De Bruyne top. But what I have to try and do is separate kind of my thought process on this and just focus on your guys' arguments and, and, and what you have said. I, I know I don't, okay. but the, the, the thing, <laughs> Callum, yeah, Callum, I feel like you've got a sense of just, the direction just... this is going in. I think the thing that's convinced it for me was actually Rob. I, I don't really, trophies don't really play into it for me. It was your mention of the Ballon d'Or and saying how no defender had come that high since 2006 made me realise that, you know what, actually, I think I'm going to have to give gold to Virgil van Dijk. Um, I, I I don't I don't feel boring now. <laughs> <laughs> um, which um, which means silver goes to Kevin De Bruyne, which is five points for Rob. And here it comes. I'm gonna have to be I'm gonna have to be honest, Callum. It, it's it's a whitewash victory to Rob. Oh I'm gonna my give word, to Sergio Aguero. Um, you, 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 Callum, your argument about the fact that uh, picking the best player in the position almost won it for me, and I'm going. We've lost, we've lost Callum. Him. We've He's lost gone. Visual. Um, this is this is what podcasting the, the, on Zoom allows you to do. He can just leave. Unfortunately, I, as Rob sort of pointed out, I mean, both players I say follow a similar narrative. The issue for Kante is that because he's been played out of position for the last three years. For all you said about him evolving, and that's absolutely true, I don't think he's quite there yet in that that top three, and I don't think he's quite standout enough. Um, and so that's why I'm going to give the bronze to Sergio Aguero. It, it's this always, this only, it's not always. This only ever seems to happen to Callum. Um, the other thing I, I want to say, Callum, I didn't want to give Rob six points. He's the defending champion. There's a I don't very easy a way to do like that, this, Sam. But. <laughs> We all know the catchphrase. We all know the catchphrase of this show. I had to stay true to myself. I had to go. You said you'd put De Bruyne top if you were doing it. I had to to go with the arguments that were made. (laughs) Had to go with the arguments that were made on the podcast, and Rob just argued more passionately, and he's walked away with the six points. I think Callum's gone. As Callum's just walked away. Period. Callum might have gone. I, I can hear I can hear him off camera, uh, sighing away. Venting, yeah, yeah. Um, Should we wrap this Rob, up? Do you feel? Do you? I was gonna say, do you feel like you deserve those six points? <laughs> or do you feel yeah. like you've robbed? I don't know. It doesn't really matter, now, does it? 
<laughs> well, the the good thing is, Callum, I guess, is you can't get whitewashed next week. Yes, you can both uh, just get because... further away from me. You're hosting. How good. <laughs> Callum, I think what, what he's trying to say, Callum, is what's the topic? And Rob and Sam will be going head to head on the best all time sports women. So a purely female episode. Um, my girlfriend Beth has been on at me to get female representation in the podcast for well since I mentioned that I had a podcast basically. So uh, best all time sports women next week from you two, please. Um, purely on field, on court achievements no billy jean king off court revolutionizing <laughs> billy jean king loving i mean they uh, can be but only for what she did on the court that thir- 39 grand slam titles she's in with a shout anyway give sam an excuse to pick billy jean king and he will do which is no bad thing but i'm just saying yeah, that I mean that's a hill I'm more than prepared to die on is just picking billy jean king over and over again i'm i'm so happy with that um, but anyway, that that wraps up another episode of uh, of Three Sport Rankers and another time where Rob has absolutely robbed Callum of points somehow once again. It just seems to happen, you know. At least we're consistent across uh, just, across our three series. We give, we give the listeners what they want. Himself. We give the listeners what they want. No one's meltdowns are better on this show than Callum. Uh, Yeah, we will see you next week. Do make sure uh, to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, three sports rankers. We will also, at some point, I'm not sure exactly when, but we will have a YouTube channel uh, up and running where we will have the full unedited versions of these podcasts for your your viewing pleasure, where you can see Callum storm off set and set being the Zoom call. Um, do also please go and leave us a review on iTunes it does massively massively help if you get a minute but uh, boys thank you very much for for joining it's been another very fun episode and we will see you next week (laughs) thank you